The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're always in the right place here. What are we talking about today? Well, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the impact of digitization. That's the word we're using on the utilities workforce, how we do work part one. Today is part two. So let's see what the buzz on the street is. Oh, I'm looking out at the street. Let's see who's buzzing. Okay, Roberta Madison is buzzing. She writes about talent maximization. She's a leadership expert who has worked with GM, Best Buy, New Balance, and Boston Beer. And she's the author of the forthcoming book, The Magnetic Leader. Suddenly in charge, managing up, managing down, succeeding all around, and talent magnetism. And here is her quote. Your hires are only as good as your hiring process and those responsible for making hiring decisions. So there. Uh, now, I might have to reconnect. I'm being told by my engineer. I hope I sound okay for now. So what are we talking about here? Well, digitization, as I said in my opening, is a major disruptor throughout the utilities industry with the impact on the workforce front and center. It is serious. It cannot be ignored. With an estimated 30 to 50% of utilities workers eligible for retirement, just let that sink in for a second. Eligible for retirement, depending on the country, depending on the, the work, uh, whatever the work requirements are. It could be, let's see, it could be people in their mid-60s, maybe reaching up to 70, maybe some people retire at 50s, depending on the country. Well, within the next decade... 30 to 50% of utilities workers are eligible for retirement, and the implication is that many of them will retire. That means utilities are facing a challenge in the workforce. It's called shortage. The challenge is how to attract and retain, you know what I'm going to say next, the millennial generation work staff. So we're looking at the higher end of the demographic regarding age, and then we're looking at the not quite lower, but right down there near the bottom, millennial, the newcomers to the workforce. We're going to discuss this today with, we have two on the panel, Robert Tila, we're very happy to welcome him back. He's a senior director at OpenText in charge of OpenText's portfolio of SAP Solutions in the Americas for the past three years. And joining him will be the sponsor of this series, James McClelland, Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. So let's get started with the quote Robert has sent us. It's from someone named Jim Link. He's the CHRO, okay, I'll translate, Chief Human Resources Officer at Randstad North America. Jim Link over 
oversees Randstad's human capital strategy and manages their HR initiatives for 125,000 employees. He was named HR Executive of the Year in 2013 at the American Business Awards, and he serves on the board for the SHRM Foundation Major Gifts Council. And let's see what Jim Link has to say, and I quote, When you look at millennials in particular in the workplace, they have an underlying desire to shape where they work, to make a contribution, to see that the role they play has a direct tie to a benefit in society. Robert Tila, so pleased to have you back. How have you been? Oh, very well. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back uh, on the show here. We're delighted to have you. Talk to me. The M-word's popping up here a couple of times. And millennials, what are we looking at? And let's relate this quote, please, to the utilities workforce facing so many retirees. What do you see? Yeah, um, we definitely have a generation change. And uh, utilities have not really focused a lot on uh, hiring practices. And um, uh, some statistics say that um, 72% are experiencing difficulties in finding the right uh, qualifying candidates for their roles. Uh, so there's, there's definitely an issue uh, getting the right skills. And with this uh, generation change we have, it's uh, getting more and more difficult and the pool of available skills is, is way smaller. And um, with that, we have this shift towards uh, millennials. They, it's a different culture and they want to they want to be very satisfied with what they're doing. They want to work for a cause. They want to work for mm-hmm. a company they can identify themselves with uh, or, or somehow contribute to a greater cause. And, and that means um, that utilities need to also, as they uh, define their strategies, how to attract and hire and retain talent, they need to think about uh, this type of cultural uh, change and how to be attractive for, for the millennials. And to give you an example, uh, mm-hmm. millennials statistically are the most knowledgeable and the most invested in renewables, uh, mm-hmm. for example. And uh, uh, so, so that, that is one great area where uh, maybe utilities can offer a, a bigger cause and be more attractive. Robert, thank you very much. I'm going to ask you a question before we move on to James McClellan. Question is, do you agree with my opening statement I found from Roberta Madison? By the way, anybody wants to know how to spell her name, it's M-A-T-U-S-O-N. She said, your hires are only as good as your hiring process and those responsible for making hiring decisions. So we're, she's focusing on hires. You're talking about millennials. Does anything have to change in the HR domain at utilities in order to bring in that best and brightest millennial talent, Robert? Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I actually read about a very good suggestion, which is really putting millennials in, in charge and, and actually even in charge of HR. Um, so so uh, millennials <laughs> do that. appreciate <laughs> that people I never in, expected in a similar generation <laughs> can make a difference. And uh, they are in these positions and uh, there's a lot of social communication about uh, how exciting or not exciting it is to, to work for a specific company. And, uh, you know, put, putting money where your mouth is or, or putting, putting these uh, uh, different management and hiring practices into place is, is a good step in that direction. Wow. Putting millennials in charge of HR. Can, do you know the source of that suggestion? Can you share that with us? Uh, I will definitely uh, look that up. Uh, I have it somewhere in my notes and uh, I'm happy to share that. 
I would love to. I think that's very provocative, and that's what we love here on Game Changers Radio. Thank you, Robert. Pleasure to connect with you again. Now let's turn to James McClellan, Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. And James has sent me a quote from Fred DeVito. I know. I didn't know who he was either. He is a member of the Exhale Mind Body Spas founding team, and he's the executive VP of Mind Body Training. If you're looking for them, they are, it looks like they're in New York City. He founded their highly publicized, that's their marketing term, Core Fusion program, and co-developed their Core Fusion Sport, Core Fusion Cardio, and Boot Camp classes. Okay, and he teaches around the country. He was a fitness trainer in the public school system and a personal trainer for a long time, 22 years. So here is the quote. James has found from Mr. DeVito. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. I like that. James, how have you been? I've been keeping well, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Good. Have you been training with Fred DeVito? Are you doing that core fusion program, James? I thought you looked pretty fit today when I saw you. <laughs> I, I wish I could attribute that, uh, that I knew who Mr. DeVito was, but quite honestly, uh, I have to give the credit to my local church as they have this quote up on, on their signage. Uh, preparing for Sunday, so it'll be interesting to see what the sermon's about. Hi, maybe we should do the show after the sermon. That should be interesting. So, talk to me, James. Uh, how does this apply to the workforce? We're talking about facing so much retiring, 30 to 50 percent. That is could be devastating. And then looking at millennials, they were mentioned in Robert's quote he picked up from Jim Link. So why don't you tie it all together for us through your quote, James? Well, there's going to be a challenge. Uh, regardless. One is going to be for replacement of staffing, but with this series, we've also been talking about digital transformation and how utilities need to change the way they do work, the way that their business processes work, and their entire business model. So if you're not up to the challenge, you're not going to be prepared to endorse that type of a change and embrace that type of change. Uh, On the previous show, we we spoke about uh, how the, the current workers are embracing change, and you have those three levels, the people who openly welcome change and are willing to embrace it, the people who are given the, the Heisman to people that uh, I, I reject change or I'm, I'm afraid of change, uh, I'm set in doing my ways, and then you have the fence sitters that say, we'll wait and see and which way we're going to go on this, whether we reject it or whether we embrace it and we'll take little steps. So it's a challenge for people's personalities, uh, it's a challenge for people's skill sets, but utilities are going to change. They're going to have to change, uh, or they'll go the way of the dodo bird. Okay, dodo bird. Let's talk for a second here, James. 30 to 50%. Seriously, I was trying to expand that in my opening and, and mention that utilities companies are all over the world. Were we just U.S. focused when you sent me that information, or are we talking about Europe as well? And and what would that age range be? I'm not trying to pin you down, James, but what would that age range be of these retirees? And my last question, James, you know what I'm going to ask. Why do they want to retire if utilities is such a great place to work? Yeah? Well, uh, it was interesting. When I first started at a utility, that was my first real job. I remember being amazed that most of my coworkers had worked at the utility longer than I was old. So when we take a look at the baby boomer uh, generation, which I'm part of right now, uh, that takes an age span of, what, from 65 down to 51. These are people all preparing because of age uh, for retirement. Most of these people have worked 20-plus years at the utility. Mm. Uh, We're at a point now, uh, at the tipping point, where millennials are actually 
going to be more populous within the workforce than what the baby boomers are as the baby boomers are starting to retire. So the millennials are now the more working populace and becoming the more working populace from a percentage area. And as the baby boomers in the previous generation are attaining that retirement age, uh, this is, a, this is a, a quandary that utilities have worldwide, that many of their workers are walking out, they're retiring, um, and that's a great source of knowledge walking out the door that's not being passed along. But, again, utilities, the processes are going to change, and they have to embrace new technologies to do their work more efficiently. They're going to have to. And one more question for you, James, before we get up close and personal with Robert and ask what he's drinking today. You know that part of the show. My question for you, James, is are utilities an exciting place that will attract the best and the brightest talent in the millennials' work pool, if you will? Why would they want to work there? Is it a great place to work? I'm using utilities loosely as a major industry category, not just a particular company. So what what do you observe? And then I'll ask Robert the same question. Well, that's that's really what the the whole source of this conversation is going to be about. Uh, I think Accenture had run a survey uh, of many colleges and universities, and they were asking, is utilities on your radar as a potential landing spot for your, for your working world? And only 2%, basically, of college students said that they'd even consider working at a utility. So as we stand today, no, a utility doesn't look to be exciting for the next generation coming through. And that's where utilities need to put a talent strategy in place. And to Robert's point, when he was saying that they're looking at putting millennials in charge of that HR-type process of what are the new thoughts of how to bring people on board, uh, how am I going to attract these people, I'm also seeing that they're putting them in front of the, uh, the customer service areas as well on what's the best way to be able to communicate with the customers as well using new technologies such as Twitter, well, it's not new technology, but how do we embrace social media? Uh, how do we use multiple devices, iPhones, iPads? How do we get the best out of those uh, to get new ideas of how we attract our customers, but also how do I attract millennials? And we'll get into an awful lot of this, uh, of, of what the characteristics of millennials are, uh, but how do I tap into those resources? So that's going to change the landscape, hopefully, of how a utility works uh, to be able to attract these groups. Thank you. Very interesting. Robert Tila, what's your observation? Do you What do you think about that survey James just mentioned? James, I'm putting this into a tweet here. James McClelland, SAP Industries Notes, Accenture Survey, colon, only 2% of millennials consider utilities career. Robert, are you shocked by that number? What do you think? Yeah, um, I, uh, uh, I think that the big challenge is uh, how to communicate the absolutely tremendous opportunity we have in utilities right now. With digitization, with a lot of new technologies, we've seen a wave of mobile applications and technology. We see more um, big data and, and uh, predictive modeling and Internet of Things. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of uh, new exciting business models. We have lot of movement in decentralized generation distribution etc so there are fantastic absolutely outstanding opportunities to really make a mark if someone wants to drive something and, and, and make a difference but the question is from a communication and branding point of view is that being communicated and how do utilities uh, get that message across and how can they position themselves not as a 
uh, rather boring enterprise uh, doing the same old things uh, they did for 100 years. That's not the case anymore. It's, it's just not not the reality anymore. Uh, and and how, how do they communicate that out to the market? Very interesting. Yes, you've got to get it out there. So it has to be interesting. It has to be exciting. It has to have opportunity. It has to be socially aware, environmentally responsible. That sounds like, like a big challenge, but in a way it sounds to me like that's what utilities should be doing anyway, even if millennials weren't pushing them to do that looking in the mirror and, and facing up to different kinds of responsibilities than perhaps they were looking at before. But I digress. Mr. Robert Teal, I'd love to know where you're calling from and what are you drinking today or what would you rather be drinking that makes you really, really happy besides talking about this topic? What makes you happy? <laughs> yeah, so I'm calling from Canada today. Uh, I'm on a business trip and uh, uh, I'll, I'll be flying back tonight, uh, probably arrive at home very, very late. And uh, rather than drinking Canadian whiskey or Molson or so, I will probably just drink water to stay hydrated with all the business trips and long flights I had this week. So rather boring, <laughs> but I look forward no. to uh, getting home. Okay, thank you very much. James McClellan, where are you and what's in your cup? Anything new and different or tell me same old, whatever you want, James. Well, Rob, while you're up in my old hometown or my old home country, say hello to them for me. We miss them dearly up in Canada. But uh, today I'm calling from my office just outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And as usual at this time of day, I'm sipping on my Lipton iced tea uh, and will prepare probably to have a nice bottle of wine tonight with dinner. Very nice. What would that wine look like? Will it be red? Will it be white? Will it be a blend? What would be on the label, James? It will be a, a lovely little drop that we acquired when we used to live over in Australia, and it's called Cloudy Bay. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. If you ever get a chance to try it, it's from the New Zealand Marlborough area. Uh, just a, a lovely little New Zealand wine if you like the New Zealand wines. Um, here it is by Cloudy Bay Sauvignon, and it's at WineAccess.com. It's also at the Wine-Searcher.com. Cloudy Bay Sauvignon Blanc 2016 at SaratogaWine.com and TotalWine.com. Did you know that? I'm looking at the bottles right now. How about that? Dan Murphy's, if you've ever heard of them in Australia, carries it. That's no surprise. And James, you might be delighted or not to know that Cloudy Bay Vineyards is on Wikipedia. Did you know that? I did. I did. We actually well, have visited the uh, the vineyard once before. How lovely. Well, thank you very much, both of you. And you know that I'm only allowed to drink non-caffeinated beverages here on Radio Show Days. And this is a double-header day. So we're finishing up today with our broadcast week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be speaking on an exciting topic. You may not think of utilities as an exciting industry, but if you're a millennial or if you know one, you're teaching one, you're the parent of one, the neighbor of one, tell them there are great opportunities. And we're tuning in today with Robert Tila at OpenText and James McClelland at S. Exploring utilities workforce and digitizations, how we do work, part two. There was so much we couldn't contain it all in part one. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
the digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Utilities of the Future. Yes, we are. Utilities, workforce, and digitization. How we do work, part two. It is an exciting industry to be part of. If you're a millennial, no one, you really want to listen up or tell them about this show because I'm speaking today with Robert Tila at Open Text and James McClelland at SAP. Let's get started with our roundtable. I'm looking at Robert Tila's notes here, and he says very de- declaratorily, I'm going to make up a word there, Very, we need more data scientists. Let me read a little from his notes. He says, on the previous show, we just did part one a few weeks ago, we discussed the Internet of Things, the smart grid, sensor data, and new interfaces like maps and augmented reality. This is all impacting roles and skill profiles. I'm going to let Robert expand this for us. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, I think it's uh, to our previous uh, discussion point, uh, challenge versus opportunity. I think there's a great opportunity and really attractive areas also for uh, people with the right uh, mindset and technology skill set to to contribute. So uh, on the last show, we had uh, Metropolitan Utilities District, and mm-hmm. they digitized a lot of their processes where in the past you had a worker call in and someone in headquarters would go to a file cabinet and take, pull out a service card on paper and they would read it or, or give that information to, to the worker on site. And that's all digitized now um, you know, part of an interactive map on, on an iPad. And, and uh, it, it's much more interesting. So if you would ask someone, if they would be uh, the chief filing cabinet officer uh, pulling mm. out the service cards out of the dusty filing cabinet, that's not a very attractive job. But, but really um, shaping how you can do these things with modern technology, with digitization is a very, very interesting uh, task. And uh, Nick uh, Malden on the last uh, radio series also touched on uh, things like uh, augmented reality. We, we all know about 3D printing and all these things that really uh, push into uh, maintaining assets where you can print parts and uh, you have more you have drone videos uh, to, to do surveillance of, uh, of lines and so on. So I think there are tremendous opportunities now uh, to, to attract people but of course, uh, if you don't have the right strategy, it will be very difficult to find people who um, can really address that. And uh, I just 
come from, from a number of utilities meetings. I can tell you in the last 12 months, there wasn't a single meeting where we didn't talk about big data analytics and being, becoming more predictive and, and machine learning and how can you really use the data to automatically uh, start certain processes based on events that happen. Um, so y- y- you need these, the skill set of data scientists and people who can really understand these things and make them work uh, from an analytics and, and data architecture point of view. Definitely a new skill set uh, from a utilities industry perspective. We need more data scientists. Let me turn to James McClellan. James, what do you think? Agree or disagree? How would you describe that job category? Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. Um, I, I made a statement years ago when my kids were first going through university and college that they're training for a job skill set that doesn't exist yet. Mm. And now we're starting to see it come to fruition. Uh, Rob raises a, a very good point about how do utilities communicate that these are the sort of things that they need, uh, but it's not, just the, it's not just sitting at communication to attract these people. It's the adoption of, of the technologies as well, because uh, most of the millennials have grown up that with a tap of a, uh, a finger on a phone or a swipe of a finger that they can order a pizza within a couple of seconds. Uh, they need to have that technology also adopted into the utilities uh, to be able to allow this next group to be able to do their jobs. Uh, they don't want to be thinking that I'm going into a, a job skill set, that I'm taking a step backwards, or you know, I'm working with something, some type of a device that what I have at home is, is much more powerful, and I could, I could knock minutes, hours off the way I do work. Thank you, James. Uh, Robert, anything you want to add to that? I'm looking at a similar topic here in James's list I want to go to next. But, Robert, anything you want to add? I, I think we're in violent agreement. <laughs> and, uh, again, <laughs> Our- it's challenge versus opportunity, um, and, and, and how do we get that across, and what are the programs to do that? Thank you. James, here's a very provocative statement in your notes. You say, the competition for talent is Fierce, especially for recent graduates and professionals with a background in, I think we're talking STEM here, Mr. McClellan, science, technology, engineering, or math. Are we talking females too? So with whom is this so fierce? Is this other industries, James? Why don't you expand this for us? Yeah, it's definitely with other industries. So if I think I'm working at a company that's still working with green screens, uh, and I'm only using that as an example. I know most utilities mm. have moved way past that. Uh, but if, if I can work with the Googles, uh, with the Facebooks, uh, the, the areas that are much more nimble, and this goes back to, to a point that Rob made right at the beginning of the show, a lot of millennials are used to instant gratification. Uh, if I put a post out, I'll immediately get something back that somebody will give me a response. They like it. They don't like it. Um, I need to be in a job where I make a difference. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the millennials are willing to give up pay to be able to work in a job that they feel more satisfied, that they enjoy the work environment. It allows them a bit of freedom on how they do work. Uh, I, I get my gratification or I get notification if I'm doing a good job right on the spot. Uh, so as we speak about how do I attract millennials, there's also got to be a way that we've got to change the management style at utilities as well to adapt to the millennial-type characteristics. Um, 
if we just use something along the line of, of performance reviews. Most cases, it's done in, in an annual fashion. Millennials like to get that instant notification. So something as simple as uh, a performance review needs to be done much more frequently, maybe on a quarterly basis, maybe on a monthly basis. My recognition doesn't necessarily always need to be paid or to be paid or pay increases uh, or bonuses, uh, but it may be uh, a lunch in, in a recognition package or an attaboy that comes across. So a lot of changes need to take place to have the millennials uh, want to work in a, in a workplace that they feel that they're making a difference and they feel that they're in a collaboration and being able to, to get recognition on a, more on an immediate fashion. Interesting. Before I ask Robert for his comments, I have a question for you, James, if I may. You mentioned in the beginning we were talking about the exodus of retirees, impending retirees all over the world from the utilities workforce. And I believe, James McClellan, you made the comment that the knowledge is going out the door with them. So that brings to my mind a couple of things. If you're trying to attract millennials and you want them to advance up the chain, how do you engineer maybe that's a good word, maybe it's a bad word, engineer the transfer of knowledge from the outgoing boomers or other retirees into the minds and hearts of the um, of the millennials who are coming in. And if millennials aren't that happy and they walk before they ascend up the corporate ladder, old-fashioned term, but I think we know what it still means, how do you keep the millennials from walking out with that accumulated knowledge that you will then lose double? So, yeah, James... Pick and choose any part of that, but I think you know where I'm going with this. No, you're, you're, it's, a, it's an absolute valid point that if I invest into training and a millennial saying, you know what, I, I'd like to do job hopping. I want to go to some place mm-hmm. that I feel I'm making a difference, and you have invested a great deal of money to bring a trainee up to, up to a certain spot uh, or knowledge base, uh, that's a very real problem. So this is where utilities really need to make uh, a talent strategy front and center, and most utilities do not have a good talent strategy in place today. Now, going back to, to Rob's example on digitizing just something as much as mappings, uh, all of this type of knowledge needs to be put into a digital format that then you're leveraging the technologies that all of that information and that learning information is at the fingertips of the people who need to, to get the information to. And, uh, uh, and it's got to be more renewable and the way that the training takes place, uh, we go back to a word that we used, I think, when we first started the series. Uh, the training needs to almost be in a bit of a game of vacation. Uh, you know, so the job yeah. has to be kept interesting to keep and retain this talent. Fun and exciting. Robert Tila, love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Well, I think uh, the industry that we're discussing will not be the industry uh, the same industry in a few years from now. Mm. Uh, we see utility companies pushing into energy consulting, home alarm services, solar install business, uh, and so on. So um, there are a lot of new business models and there's a convergence going on. At the same time, uh, if you look at what's happening in the automotive sector, uh, you should know from the last <laughs> few episodes that I'm a car guy. So uh, if you look mm-hmm. at the BMW motor, a uh, conventional motor has 1,200 parts, an electric motor, 17. And there is a huge industry of service when it comes to parts, very lucrative oil changes, uh, seals, and, and, and everything that's associated with it. 
they will look for new opportunities. In 2025, about 25% of the car, new cars sold will be electric. So, and then you see Mercedes and Tesla pushing into uh, home batteries, uh, charging stations at home, etc. cetera. Uh, Tesla is pushing into uh, solar panels on the roof, uh, announced it for this year. Um, and so they are actually looking for new business segments as well. And they will be stepping on toes uh, of utility companies. And, and uh, it will be interesting to see how that pans out, what new um, acquisitions we'll see or new business models and partnerships and so on to make, to make this all work. And, and that, of course, has an impact in, uh, on the, the, uh, the competition, the skill sets and, and uh, whatever is available uh, with this type of knowledge in the market. Rob, uh, you know, I'd like to interject on something there. Please. because. Um, I know in the last program that I made a prediction that you're going to see a lot of these new skill sets uh, be nimble, small companies and contingent workforces. It'll be more as contingent labor rather than the utility being able to to develop that type of skill set immediately. But uh, just when you were raising the point about the energy consultancy and uh, some of these other, do you see these as spin-off businesses that would contract to the utility or what's your view on that? What are you seeing? I, I see, I see both. So I see, especially in Europe where there was a lot of deregulation companies were desperately looking for new revenue sources very early on. And they were, they were trying to leverage their own skills and resources to branch out and offer those new, new services. Um, here in North America, I see companies also, um, selling gas furnaces and, and, and grills and so on. And they tried to kind of do it themselves. But I think where it's heading is more partnerships, uh, more yeah. business yeah. networks. And I, I see also suppliers stepping up because I can't see that every single knowledge uh, skill can be addressed and just to balance the need and peaks and special, specialized knowledge, I think... Um, it will be very interesting to see where GE and Siemens and ABB are moving and what kind of models they provide to step in and run certain things on behalf of the utility company. And in a similar way, we already see that in the application business with this move to the cloud where um, the suppliers of software applications say, you know, we'll manage it for you. You don't need to manage hardware and software and so on. We'll do it for you. So uh, certainly some very interesting things coming up here, I think. Fully agree with you. Fully agree with you. Indeed. Uh, gentlemen, I want to move to a couple of different topics here. I'm looking at a long list here in Robert's notes right now. Robert, I see here you talk about contingent labor, but there's something else that caught my eye. So let's see if you want to talk about that. You say diversity is key. A lot of the HR transformation discussion in the utilities industry focuses on what we've been talking about, the aging workforce and I'll put slash the imminent to retire workforce and millennials on the, the other side of that demographic continuum, if you will, or the demographic spread. You say, but there are also other demographic changes that impact hiring corporate culture and management. I'm going to let you talk about this William Fry study, the author of Diversity Explosion, and he's a PhD demographer at Brookings Institution. You want to tell us about that, please? A lot of interesting statistics here. I'd rather you say it than I have to read it. So, Robert, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think the interesting thing is we went down this path, cow path of aging workforce and millennials 
uh, immediately, and and it is it is a very big topic. But mm-hmm. there are demographic uh, changes. So if you look at the uh, population right now, um, you know, 50 million, 15 million whites are going out of the labor force uh, between 2010 and 2013. And about 17 million Hispanics will be new to the population and, and about 4 million Asians and 3, 3 million blacks. And that, that's according to, to William Fry. And um, so, so he's a PhD and, and um, wrote about diversity explosion. So, so all of the growth in the future labor force will be with those racial minorities and, and specifically Hispanics. And if you look at utilities, the, the uh, portion of racial minorities already went up by 10% uh, to about a third. And it's very important to know if you, if you think about what is your talent pool, where do you communicate, how do you uh, develop those people uh, the skills, you know, get them into your company, develop them, them further. That's a very important HR element that uh, utilities need to understand. Very interesting. James, thoughts on that? Are you familiar with this study, James? No, I'm not, but, uh, but you know, Rob's spot on. And, uh, again, this goes back into a, a whole talent management and talent strategy um, strategy that utilities need to embrace and it's it's just not reaching out it's constant training uh it's the way that managers and directors uh are handling their staff uh that it's it's no longer the way that we saw in the past that uh the boss said do it this way and everybody said okay that's the way we do it uh the millennials want to have more collaboration on how you know how do i have a say how can i make it better uh how do we do more of a collaborative type work, and how do we consistently train uh, and have a goal of we want to make this a better place? That there there needs to be a goal that it's just not keeping the lights on anymore, but try to make work uh, an impact on on the world. I think you said it all. Thank you very much, James. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to t- look at one other topic here in Robert's list because there was so much good stuff. And James, I know you saw this before the show. Contingent labor. Contingent labor is on the rise to balance demand and cover special skills. And I'm thinking when I think of utilities, I think of peak times and lull times. And when we talk about balancing demand, uh, is that what we're talking about? Contingent labor meaning s- seasonal? We call that retail. It would be seasonal. You know, a higher extra Christmas and you hire a few extra maybe at Valentine's Day depending on what you're selling and then you say bye-bye we'll talk to you in a couple months so is that how the contingent labor force would function in the utilities industry Robert? No I I think it will be really more focused on specialized skills and we already see contingent uh, labor when it comes to um, for example uh, doing field work after Hurricane Katrina etc there was a lot of contingent labor and I was actually even um, uh, there were interesting labor concepts where uh, other utilities were uh, sending their teams down to help uh, restore power and so on. And that was creating some very interesting contractual and expense-related and legal issues. Um, so even kind of tapping into another utility's workforce when you need it, when you have a major storm, etc. Um, is a is is a very different concept and requires a, a more difficult, more a different, uh, more complex, more agile management 
of these people who are not really on your own payroll. And I think with uh, these skills that we discussed around um, you know, smart grids and specific uh, you know, big data and other things, um, who knows? There, there will be potentially new models. We, we touched on that earlier on, uh, coming from suppliers uh, who offer uh, specific skills. So you can, you can use those people when you have a revision, when you have a, a certain certain uh, maintenance or certain overhaul renewal of, of, of technologies, and then you may train your own people and, and do more of a maintenance mode, or you die, do it mm-hmm. vice versa. You, you give the maintenance to someone else and concentrate on other things instead. So I think it's not as easy as um, looking into, uh, you know, seasonal type, uh, type issues, uh, just like in retail or so. Yeah, I had a I, feeling it was. Go, go ahead, James. Interested yeah, to hear what you, I, you have know, to say. I, I see it to, to bridge on to Rob's uh, points that if, if we take a look that because of these new skill sets, and this is where we were kind of touching on uh, some startup companies, that if you take a look at data scientists, uh, that's, that's a skill set on its own. When, as, as Rob was saying, we've gone from reactive that they want to be more predictive uh, to, to really get that data scientist in place. It's, it's a very specific and new skill set. Cybersecurity is another one um, you know, that we've touched on in the past and recommending mm-hmm. to a lot of companies to, to leverage third-party companies. Uh, yes, you can develop in-house uh, of a cybersecurity expert, uh, but they get poached so quickly from other industries. If you're good at it, every industry is concerned about cybersecurity. So this is where you're taking a look to really leverage the guys who are really steep and deep in this and that's where I think we take a look more of leveraging that contingent workforce. James, you must be, I don't know if the term is omniscient or prescient, or you must have been looking into uh, my mind because I had highlighted just now the need for utilities needing new types of talent, including cybersecurity professionals. I just highlighted in my notes about 30 seconds before you brought it up. So, woohoo, there you go. Thank you very much for that, James. I have a question about contingent workforce for Robert and then for James. If you're looking for the millennials and they want quality of life and they want quality of environmental care by the company and they want to invest in a company that cares about the world socially, physically, and everything, and you start bringing in contingent workers who are specialists for special projects, is that going to annoy or irk your, your main workers, your, your, your on-salary workers? And who would that pool of workers be? Who would, James talk about poaching cybersecurity experts, would there be other millennials being brought in as quote-unquote consultants to fill those contingency needs? Robert, where are they going to come from? Yeah, it's not really a new model per se. Um, and we see uh, consulting companies today. We see uh, companies implementing uh, technologies uh, with utilities. And, and, of course, it's always a delicate uh, situation when you have externals come in and you have uh, long-established people who say, well, I, mm-hmm. I know how things work here. And uh, uh, you come from the outside and tell me how to how to do things. So. Um, but that's not necessarily new. It has to do with uh, change management and getting people on board. And we had a really good conversation about change management and, and, and communication and how important it is so that everybody is on the same page and, and sees the joint goal and, uh, and, uh, and people can go to a certain extent at their, at their own pace, um, depending on, you know, where they are. So I think that's, that's an important element, but it's not new per se. And, and it will just, simply be mandatory. Um, in a lot of areas, there will be not 
enough uh, time to build the critical skills or people are not available and um, there will be services uh, that will will offer that or they actually do it today. Thank you very much. James, anything you want to say on that? Uh, yeah, we're again, this is why I like having Rob on the program because uh, uh, we get along so well or, or we <laughs> think that we're on the same page most of the time. But uh, uh, I, see, I see some of these firms and these type of consulting firms, yes, they've been around forever, but with these new skill sets that are being in demand for a utility, uh, I, I see that drawing for a lot of the millennials uh, that they could be experts then within various industries, utilities being one of them, that they could offer their services out. And having those nimble services and whether they're spinoffs from XYZ utility, uh, grooming them, uh, you know, this is where I see the attraction for, um, you know, for this up-and-coming talent. Thank you. I'm looking at your notes, James. I think we've covered an awful lot here. You do have a, a sidebar here. You say there's a battle of the hearts and minds. It's Google and Facebook versus the utilities industry. Uh, did we cover that as far as you, exciting work and uh, social awareness and all that? Is there anything you want to add to that? Because I do have one more question for you. Yeah, you know, the, it's the changing business model that you know utilities need to be able to provide the, the new opportunities, um, you know, to... to tap into these tech-savvy, creative, strategic minds and, and offer uh, an opportunity for growth. Uh, I, I think that doing good for the world is, is one of the big things that's front and center. So how, do I, how are we going to tap into clean energy? How are we tapping into renewable energy and, and energy storage? Uh, being involved, having the utilities being involved in developing these smart cities, I, I think those are key core programs uh, that utilities need to be involved in uh, to be able to get this type of talent to, to, take, to take notice of the utilities and opportunity for them. Thank you very much. Question for you, James. We've got a few more minutes before our predictions section called the crystal ball. Question is, we were just talking a little while ago about cybersecurity. What's happening in utilities? Uh, I won't go into a lot of what I think it was WikiLeaks 48 hours ago exposed about our Samsung TVs and our smartphones and our Androids and iPhones and all of the intrusion opportunities that bad guys and gals have to find out what we're doing and saying without our knowledge. But what's happening in the utilities industry with cybersecurity? Any issues just as a sidebar to our workforce in terms of you need these professionals, what are they needed to do specifically for utilities? Thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, as we, we speak of these intelligent devices that are going right across the grid from the point of you know, energy generation or source uh, to delivery, uh, every device now has a little mind. It's got a chip in it, and that's, that's the direction that it's going. Uh, as soon as you have a chip that's collecting data, and whether it's baby monitors, whether it's your phone, mm -hmm. uh, this is a potential target. And uh, cybersecurity is near and dear into, into every executive's uh, mindset. Uh, the, the implications of taking a grid down, if you could just imagine where you're based up in New York, that... Uh, you know, you had a major power outage. If you took the, the New York mm -hmm. Stock Exchange out for two or three days, oh. what type of financial implications would that have? So, oh. uh, you know, so the cybersecurity is, uh, is extremely important. And as we put more and more intelligent devices out there, uh, you need to have the tech-savvy people to, uh, to be able to keep the back doors closed. Thank you very much. Uh, Robert, any thoughts on that? You're in the trenches. What do you see? 
Yeah, I just wanted to uh, contribute the story from the trenches. Um, I, w- I was in a recent meeting uh, with a utility company, and we talked about how customer engagement is changing and omni-channel, so uh, really have this, this seamless engagement across all the different touch points. And um, the interesting thing is, in that meeting, we had a person in charge of customer privacy and mm-hmm. a person in charge of information security. So uh, cybersecurity sometimes sounds like securing the firewall and, and things like that, but it, it's really much more complex and it's touching everything. Um, and you would think, you know, we have people from customer service and marketing and, and so on in a room to discuss you know, how we can make their lives better and, and improve, uh, most importantly, the customer's engagement with the utility. But they see it as an integral part, which is a very good thing. Okay. I like very good things. Um, looking down at all of our notes, we've covered an awful lot of, uh, awful lot of information here. James, you picked this topic. Anything else that we missed that you'd like to cover? Because we have, well, we're just about at predictions, but we have another minute or two since there are just two of you on the panel. I shouldn't say only two of you on the panel. There are two of you on the panel. But anything else that we didn't cover that's top of mind for you, Mr. McClelland? Yeah, I, you know, it, it goes a bit onto security as well and, and staffing turnover, uh, but uh, one of the things we spoke on is the attraction is to have the technology in place. Uh, that's going to be very difficult for a utility to always be up to date with the latest and greatest. So it opens the door to bring your own device to work. And mm-hmm. as we were saying before, if, if I'm working on an iPad 2 or something along that line at work, and that's what's being provided to me for the next five years, and I've got the latest and greatest iPhone and I can do so much more with what I've got at home in my everyday life, why can't I leverage that at work? Uh, it's a good idea to be able to bring your own device and, and have the latest technology. It's got to integrate back into the way that you do work. Uh, it's going to collect an awful lot of data. So back to Rob's point on privacy, that when you're speaking with the executives, then if the person decides to leave, how do you ensure that you're wiping out all that data uh, from that personal device. So that's that's another issue that you, you need to take a look at from cybersecurity. But, uh, you know, Rob, interested to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, bring your own device to work. Yeah, Rob Kela, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that, that is an, a very interesting one because, of course, you know, there could be all kinds of uh, um, applications on there that are not, not secure and, uh, you know, an open door for viruses, etc. And that's where technology comes into play to govern that and uh, sort of put a Chinese wall up between uh, what's needed for for work and um, and and what's the what's the private side of the house. So I, I think it's manageable with technology, but I think the key the key element that we haven't touched on is how does it apply to HR scenarios. So the the HR world was built. Uh, initially for HR administration. It was administration and payroll. And now everything we discussed so far is all around employee engagement. It's it's around uh, not sending a letter in and then signing something five times and, and putting an envelope you know in the mail and, and sending that back to HR. It's around using your mobile device to engage, to uh, get information at your fingertips. So the the famous immediacy gene of, of millennials. I want information now and I want it 
you know, where I want it, how I want it, on the device I want it, and making that all accessible. I think that's a big challenge right now, and we see a lot of transformation from the traditional systems to those new uh, systems that are really systems of engagement and have these uh, easy-to-use UIs, and uh, they're more uh, iPhone-like, and and you can access them through your mobile and, and really engage your employees as opposed to uh, administering somewhere in, in an office in headquarters. So I think mobile also applies there very, very much. And we see, um, I think globally, about 45,000 or so HR systems are transforming to this new generation in the cloud, uh, really focusing on employee engagement and simplification of, of the engagement. Thank you, Robert. Well, I have you. It's time for crystal ball predictions. We've got four minutes left till the end and the two of you. So why don't I give you 90 seconds? Wow. 30 seconds bonus here. Robert Tila, Open Text. Take a look in the crystal ball. We're kind of keen on 2020 now. At least I am three New Year's Eves away. That's not too far to plan what you're going to be drinking and what you're going to be wearing and where you're going to be partying. And invite Barbara Walters along the way. Baba Wawa. Robert Tila, what will be different about this conversation around the year 2029? seconds. Go. I hope we will see a lot of the things that we discussed right now, um, uh, because otherwise we, we were not um, on the money here <laughs> with what we discussed. So I think definitely contingent labor uh, strongly on the rise. We'll see this, this uh, huge transformation in, in HR system. It's just about to start. And I think about this time horizon, next three years or so, we'll, we'll, we'll see that happen, maybe a little bit more. Um, and I think we will see uh, a new thing that we haven't discussed, which is acquisition of skills and investing in skills. So we'll see utilities buying companies to get certain technologies or skills or uh, what an SAP or OpenText are doing with investing in startups and in universities, etc. I think we'll see much more of that. And I do think we'll see even more rebranding of utilities. A lot of utility names that we would discuss today we would not realize because they are repositioning themselves. They give each other, you know, <laughs> give themselves new names and they will uh, try to position themselves with different values, different portfolios. Uh, and, and that has to do with the changing market and, and, on, and also to be more attractive for customers, employees and partners. Thank you. James McClelland, exactly 90 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, we're in agreement, and I think I brought this up on the past show, that I, I think you're going to see an awful lot more startups and uh, offering themselves off as contingent labor and contract labor to, uh, to multiple utilities uh, until they can finally develop or uh, acquire these type of skill sets through acquisition, as Rob was saying. Um, going back to where we started with the program about how do we attract, uh, I Definitely expect to see utilities starting to invest into educational facilities like colleges and universities uh, to start putting some sort of funds together, whether it be scholarships or whether it be uh, some type of courses to help groom and show how the utility is changing uh, and and offer apprenticeships uh, to these students coming out that they've already got the skill sets uh, to be able to work at a It'll still be a bit of a traditional utility, but mm-hmm. as Rob is saying, the new utility or, or the overused statement of the utility of the future. Uh, so uh, I, I definitely think that the communication, you're going to see communications really ramp up to show how 
uh, utilities changing, how they are adopting uh, the big data, the data scientist type role, marketing off why it is so important or what the impact is that your job will have uh, on the environment, um, why it's important for clean energy, carbon reduction, uh, and, and help build those skill sets through the universities or through the, through the schooling systems. Uh, so I, I fully expect to see utilities getting more and more invested uh, into the, that learning curve or into the younger generation to be able to mold them, to show them why uh, working at a utility is so important. And exciting. Thank you, James McClellan. Thank you, Robert Tila. Pleasure to speak with both of you. I know, James, we pre-recorded your March 30th show. I think it was Utilities and Blockchain, so we're looking forward to that one coming up in a couple weeks. And thank you to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Hope you learned a lot from these two gentlemen. I sure did. Follow the conversation. I've been taking shorthand notes on Twitter at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Go take a look. So here's my call to action. This is the end of our broadcast. Week. We'll be back with five more hours of live radio on Game Changers next week here on the Business Channel. So for right now, hey, take it easy. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.